0: Welcome to the Hospitality Cash Flow for Multifamily Communities podcast, where you'll learn how to leverage short-term accommodations using multifamily and residential properties. With over 35 years in hospitality, real estate, technology, and sales and marketing experience, Our hosts, Matt Anisus and Noble Crawford, along with an expert panel of guests, invite you to listen in as they share their knowledge, best practices, tools, and resources to help you maximize cash flow using real estate for hospitality.
1: All right, folks, welcome to the first ever live podcast of hospitality cash flow for multifamily communities. So what we want to do starting off is we want to just introduce, uh, the panel and the guests and, and the various speakers. With that said, my name is Noble Crawford and I'm a principal with a company called short term residences, LLC, and we help uh, business and destination travelers, uh, in the state of Texas with, uh, with accommodations at, uh, at various uh, types of properties. So, uh, Appreciate you being here with us. And uh, and George, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and your background.
2: Yeah. First, uh, thank you for inviting me to the show. Uh, I'm honored to be on the first one. And my name is George Brew. I'm the owner of j Developers. We're a general contractor. We focus on multifamily renovations, mostly B&C assets. And I also invest in multifamily. I'm the owner of Elevate Commercial Investment Group. We currently own roughly about 300 units, but in the next month and a half, that's going to jump up to 2,500 units. Cool. Um, yeah, we've been pretty busy.
3: <laughs> awesome.
2: And a lot of it's uh, coming to flourishing right now. Um, and yeah, just excited to, to hear what what you guys have to say.
3: Awesome, guys. Well, my name is Matt Anesis. I am the owner of Anesis Capital, real estate investor. I'm a tri- I am actually came from um, residential fix and flip, done a lot of property management. Um, I actually have about 600 doors under contract units between the states of Florida and also um, Tennessee. And really excited to have this podcast launch because what's really unique about it is I like to think outside the box. And Noble and I partnered up recently And we thought we wanted to bring uh, tons of value for apartment investors, um, developers, brand new uh, um, real estate investors that just want another way to get started in real estate and just generate cash flow, but also be able to um, build value to investors. So uh, I'm really excited.
4: Yep. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Christopher Glennon here. Uh, Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, It's exciting, a new launch. Uh, Again, my name is Christopher Glennon. So I've been in the Consulting industry, operations industry of hospitality, multifamily, condominium, and association management for the last 19 years. Um, It's been a fun ride. Uh, I do a lot of consulting with Lincoln Property Company, Graystar, O'Reilly Hospitality, Atrium Hospitality, some Caesars Entertainment, and then a few other uh, vendors in the multifamily segment. But really it's for the disposition, pre-development planning, development, uh, operations, and stabilization of mixed-use multifamily and hospitality developments.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, we appreciate you uh, coming and joining us this evening. And just to get an idea for, you know, for, for the listeners, uh, what we're going to be discussing. So uh, Matt and I have recently partnered up and we have found a unique niche in providing uh, higher end short-term accommodations at uh, multifamily properties. And so Uh, What we've been able to 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 do is also, you know, help help provide, you know, help is a value add for uh, investors and developers uh, by helping them increase their NOI by working, working with us and working through our our turnkey offering that we that we have. And so so, George, I know you're pressed for time, so we're not going to hold up. We're going to jump right in. We have a number of questions for you. and, uh, And so we'll go ahead and get right to it. So, George, with your uh, with your background in investing and in multifamily, I uh, wanted to find out from you in what ways you typically look to add value to, to a property.
2: Sure. So, you know, the obvious is bumping up the rents, which will increase your NOI. Um, you know, and the way we do that obviously depends on what the property is running like as is and how much room we have on that on those rent bumps, uh, first thing we usually do is make the property pop from the exterior and start working on the vacant units, however many that is, and start implementing our upgrades and see where that's gonna land us. So, you know, that's always in our projections and uh, the real sweet spots are, is when we find something that lowers our expenses or that brings in other income um and that also increases the NOI. Sometimes we don't put that in our projections, so that's why I call it a sweet spot.
1: So what what would you consider like a good typical per door increase that would be worthwhile, to, you know, in in looking at a a, a property.
2: You know, it's going to depend a lot on your ROI, you know, how much are you spending to get that increase? Um, you know, if you're, if the seller or the past owner just wasn't aggressive with their rent bumps and you barely have to do anything to the units, you know, at that point you're looking at $25 rent bump can, can do a lot if you're not spending much to, to get there. Um, Usually we're looking at the the fifty to a hundred dollar rent bumps, um, and usually we have to go in and do some type of upgrade, depending what class asset it is and what what location. Um, you know, we do things in in Texas and in Oklahoma, and it kind of differs between those two markets as well as within those states. You know, if you're doing something in Dallas, you're probably going to go a little nicer than if you're doing something in a small town in Oklahoma.
1: So. Given that, I know that recently you, you had posted, uh, you, you, you created a post on Facebook about an interesting opportunity that you had with a value add product that uh, you said was, I, I believe you said you thought it was going to be a game changer for, your, for, for this specific property. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and, and what it was? Because what we want to do is we want to look at what uh, an, an investor considers a good value add product and then contrast that with, with what we bring to the table.
2: Absolutely. So what that is, it's, it's internet, you know, everybody right now has Wi-Fi, or pretty much everybody. Um, doesn't matter what class asset you're in or what location. Um, you know, obviously the nice little location, you're probably going to have close to a hundred percent of your tenants, um, with fi but that's never been a stream of income for owners. But, um, With the partnership I'm working with, um, we're still kind of going through the agreement and and making sure it all makes sense. But the reason it sparked me to do that post was what they're offering is no cost to you, to the owner, and you get $15 per unit per month. So just to give you an idea on the portfolio we're working on right now, that's 1,275 units, you do that increase, that's $2 million in value that you just increased, the property buy.
1: Okay, that's uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's not
3: 15, $15 or
2: 50? 15, so there's, wow. if you decide to spend some of the upfront cost and not have this company take care of it, then it could get to as high as $50 a month.
1: And is that, Is that a, are they bringing like a high end internet product in there or is that just a, you know, just a standard offering?
2: Yeah, no. I mean, the other part is the internet they're bringing is fast and it's um, fiber optic. um, I don't know. I can't remember the speeds. There's different speeds. You can pay for different plans. Um, And then their service platform is, they have it all specific software that just makes it real easy and seamless and customer service friendly. Um, so that's another good aspect about it.
1: Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're certainly not in the space of competing with internet, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I, I, want Matt to, to, to dive a little bit deeper. And, uh, but before we do that, have you ever considered the, the short term accommodation model, as a way to, to, to add value or increase per door revenue?
2: So I've never implemented it, but I, I've definitely thought about it. Um, and I've seen some of the stuff that, that Matt's done or is doing and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always thinking about that. I've got a couple properties right now that I'm curious to see what you guys can do with, with it. One being in uh, Arlington where if you guys aren't familiar with Arlington, it's got so much things for entertainment, you know, between Six Flags and the Cowboy Stadium and the Rangers uh, Ballpark and who knows what else. Um, and then another large property we're working on that that used to have some corporate suites and um, we could maybe take a chunk of units and implement your, your plan in there.
1: So just, just for the listeners and just so you all know, George, Matt, and myself recently had a conversation, very recently, uh, re- regarding this. So just to add some context and to give the listeners a little bit better idea of, of, of what exactly we provide that uh, you know, sparked an interest with George. So typically with our company, with short-term residences, Matt and I will partner up. Uh, we will go out and we will find business destination travelers. We work with specific verticals. So we may work with uh, healthcare, higher education, corporate, and then uh, in- in insurance a little bit. And so what we'll do, just this is an example. So we may go to a university. So a university may have professors coming in for uh, a semester or for a specific reason, and they need uh, short-term accommodation for you know a few months, maybe two semesters, maybe a, a full school year. And so they they're likely not local. So they're, they're traveling in from out of state. And so in the past, what you would find is these folks may be put up in extended stay, limited service hotels, the very beige, very bland looking properties. And so what we've done is we've flipped that on its head and we provide very upscale units with upscale amenities for uh, the business travelers. So so it's not uncommon for, for our units to have you know, smart products in them, so that when the guest is can can speak and coffee is made, it's not uncommon for us to you know have the high, the upgraded high-speed internet or the fiber, something along those lines. It's not uncommon for us to uh, go the extra mile with the furnishings and electronics and different things that, that we're putting inside of the units to make them really upscale. And so, so our our ideal client is typically going to be that six figure earner. And so, you know, and, and these are folks that we're vetting prior to them coming into the space. So we're ensuring that their, that, you know, their credentials check out, that they can afford the space that they, their credit's good enough, all, all of this, there's no criminal background history. So we're taking that off of maybe the existing property management that is managing the property. And and then when they are in, uh, we're handling light maintenance to take that pressure off the property as well. And because it is so very important for our units to always look picture perfect. We're having them cleaned regularly by professional cleaning teams. And so typically what owners and investors will find is that the properties will typically be in the best shape. And so outside of just the, the additional per door revenue, and Matt can speak to that a little bit, you know, there's taking care of the property itself and providing the, the, the best occupant in the space and then being very neighbor friendly and so when we come into a property we we want to get to know the pro- property management we want to get to know the adjacent neighbors we we want to become a part of the community and participate in, uh, in the community and so uh you know just like i said for context that's that's the service that we provide when we're you know uh, looking to go into a new multi-family property but then matt can speak to like exactly how that you know i increase um and he's going to give an example it's a, yeah, we, we do everything on a case by case basis. I like to say everything's negotiable. And so we look for opportunities where obviously the, the developer or the investor can win in the deal where the guest or the occupant is going to win. And then obviously we we, we need to be profitable as well. So we, where we win. So we look for opportunities where, you know, it's a it's a win, win, win opportunity amongst all the players. I let Matt add some color to that in terms of uh, really what's in it for you guys.
3: So just to kind of give you guys a little bit um, clearer picture for our listeners, um, for our audience. And, you know, one of the biggest things I'm, I like simple and I understand how apartment owners think and just property owners as a general. So what's really unique about developers or if you own apartment communities, whether you own, you know, five units, maybe you own thousands of units. One of the unique things is we can come in, provide a turnkey solution and literally increase your value of your property. Now in this example I'll use, um, you know, in every city there's a lot of ordinances, there's a lot of different logistics that go into knowing how to operate and that's what we provide, that value. But one of the unique things in this example, if you have a 100 unit property and the city only allows 5% to be used for short term rentals to operate as a business, so that's five units, well those five units that you could collect, maybe you're sitting at 95% occupancy and you have five units that are always going to be you know, turning and so forth. We'll come in, we'll take five units. And instead of getting, in this example, you're spending $1,000 or your residents are spending $1,000 on rent every month. We'll come in based on the numbers, based on it making sense already. We're going to pay $1,500. So those five units will pay an additional $500 that you would collect on rent which essentially, you know, let me get my, my handy data calculator, five units at uh, an extra 500 bucks, $2,500. Well, $2,500 times 12 months, um, let me see, we got times 12 months, we're at $30,000. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you understand the cap rate. And in a market that's compressed or whatever your cap rate is, we're just going to use a five cap that increases your value of your property, $600,000. Just on those five units that we came in, basically did everything Noble said. We turned in. They're top-notch. They're just immaculate. You have business travelers, all that good stuff. And as an owner, you're just in love, right? You're just, you're increasing your NOI. You have five units that you know that are going to be well taken care of and all that good stuff. So that kind of high level what you can expect that we would do to provide the value for you as an operator. But also, even if you're getting started, this is a value piece that you can provide owners of apartment complexes, um, because essentially the owners are the final decision maker. Property management really has no say because you're basically employing them. You have to make the decision with the owners. So I hope that helps out a little bit.
1: That was a good example for round numbers, maybe a little exaggerated, but it was a great example. But I think it, to his point, though, the way we go about doing that and the way we come to those terms is, is through back and forth negotiation with the ownership. So, you know, obviously, you know, we, we want them to be comfortable with the deal. We need to be comfortable with the deal um, and, and the guests will reap the benefits of that. And so, so it, it may not be a 50% per se, but just for a round number of purposes, that's, that's, that's a good example. But, you know, another thing and, and real quick, George, I just wanted to touch on, you know, if, I, you know, I know you had mentioned the Arlington property that you have coming up. So, in a in a in a deal like that, what we would do is we would, you know, we, we would go to you and say, George, like, what, um, you know, what what's your occupancy rate? You know, if you want to acquire the property, what do you think it's going to be? You know, what are your what are the market rents for those one, two, three bedroom units? You know, so we would flesh out some of those details, and that would help us kind of put the numbers together. So that's a that's a very back and forth conversation. And I think like like Matt's looked at a little bit of that, and he has some some knowledge on some of that. Uh, I, I haven't seen the numbers myself, but that's how we go through that that process with uh, with the owner, or with the developer. And then lastly, to your point, Matt, about uh, the property management. Now, 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 don't get me wrong, because we while our our preference is to work directly with ownership. Uh we do currently still do work with property managers. Um there, there are a lot of awesome property managers out there. I think the reason we the reason we have that preference, like Matt said, is just simply because uh if a decision is made at the top, there's no further up the chain to go. You know, that decision's been made. And and we have ran into inc- incidents where, you know, decisions have been made at the property management level and then for whatever reason they're not approved at the very top. And so uh so 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 that's that that that's our model. But um, George, real quick, with the deal that you have, does this sound like uh, a model that could potentially work? You know, based on the deal that you have on the table and the number of units it is, and that sort of thing.
2: No, I mean definitely. I just um, I do have a couple questions. One, I want to know more about the coffee and just telling it to make your coffee. So, tell me about that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'm glad you did that example. Um, you know, I was assuming that your listeners would know about that, but, you know, um, they may not. So that's a great example. Um, you know, that was $2,500 a month and that raised the value of the property by 600,000. Was that? Yeah. So per, per unit. Yeah. So total 2,500 of extra income. So that's the part of multifamily that really opened my eyes when I saw that and really understood it that any little thing, you know, I was talking about $15 a month earlier, but times however many units, and then you take that cap and the NOI, and it's it's big, like I said, $2 million, yeah. Um, and then, so as far as what you just asked me, yes. I mean, a- anything that, that can increase the NOI um, definitely makes sense. You know, I have a couple questions as far as, I guess, the lease would be with your company. Is that correct?
1: Right. That's correct. So we, we would sign the, the, the lease directly for X number of units. We'll do a 12 month. We'll do it. We'll do a 24 month. We'll do what makes the best sense for both of us. And then we're, we're the tenant. Then we're the primary tenant. And then the guests or business or destination travels that we allow to the property are simply occupants that are occupying that space for whatever amount of time they're going to be there. So you know how that works looks different per property some properties we vet the guests case closed, we, we move on other properties they want to be part of that vetting process they want to put the guests through their checks and balances fine there are then other properties where we'll vet them they just want to see proof of that fine In either either scenario works um but but yes we are the primary tenants and, and that's great for the property ownership because, like I said earlier, you know, we're taking the best care of the property because we have to, because our, our livelihood depends on that, you know. Um, and, and, and so and so that's what part that's part of what creates that win win for, for all parties. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to look more into it. Um, so when I'm looking at things like this, obviously, we're talking about all rewards here. Where is there any risk and where's the
1: risk? Yep. Awesome question. And I'm glad you asked it. There are risks. It is with anything. There's risks. Um, so the, the way the deal is structured determines kind of where the majority of the risk falls, whether it's a shared risk, whether we're absorbing the risk, um, or whether ownership is, um, that's all in the deal structure. So we have deals where the risk is shared. We have deals where, um, where we absorb all the risks. Um, we have deals where, we're doing a, maybe a revenue share opportunity. And so and so so that, that's the beauty of the arrangement is everything's negotiable um, and we can do w- what makes sense.
3: Yeah, I want to jump in real quick and, and mention, like, for instance, there was a project that we had that we were looking at, and one of the biggest indicators that we had to, before we were planning to scale, was when it came to the lending. Sometimes the lenders might not want the, the short-term rental model Um, into the business plan so that's where we we can come in and we can based on the structure based on the relationship with the ownership uh group based on the underwriting based on where they're at in the project they might already own the project and we're just coming in just as new residents but even if it's as your operations as you're acquiring a property just to kind of you know factor in those numbers, um, that's a factor that we also play into part because we also understand that lenders are going to say, okay, well, why is your revenue this much, et cetera? And then we have to be able to balance that as well because the lenders want to eliminate that risk as well um, before you take on X amount of units and so forth. So there's a lot of back-end nuances that go into the relationship piece as we're putting together a project for
2: sure. What's the process? so i'm sold like you said matt's a good salesman (laughs) what's the process
1: so the first thing that we'll do you know like i said we'll we'll get specific numbers from you kind of see where you're at depending on you know how we move forward um there may be opportunities for you know depending on what your occupancy rate is there may be opportunities for us to help you know um reduce some of that uh availability that you have if it's new development there may be opportunities on the front end to assist with the lease up, um, and as those properties are leased, then we we exit, um, and then it, what's whatever's left on the back end, maybe we keep those in a in a different structure. So there's a lot of different ways to do it, but the first thing we do is we'll get availability or projected availability from you, the mix of the unit type. Um, the market rent rate, because those are all things that we need to, do, to know to run numbers on our end. And then we'll we'll come back and we'll make an offer and we'll see like, where do you need to be? Where do we need to be? And we'll find a good medium. I mean, that's one of the things that we really value is we're relationship driven. And so all of the deals that we've done have been through, uh, well, the majority of them have been through connections, you know, that we've had with people in the space or connected to the space in some uh, form or shape. And so um, so, so, so we like to do business with, with, uh, you know, like-minded people that we enjoy being around that have integrity that, you know, that, uh, that operate in a way of becoming of a, a, proper business. Um, so with that, everything's negotiable is one of my favorite phrases, but, but that's where we'll start. We'll, we'll get some information from you, run some numbers, come back and start the dialogue. Yeah. So it we, we didn't actually. Uh, so we have a full house here. Not really, but <laughs> we, we didn't actually give, give you all an opportunity to to like say where, where you're from or, or anything like that. But before we do that, George is George's gracious with his time and he's got to run to the other side of Metroplex. But did, did anyone have any questions for George um, as an investor, as a multifamily investor, developer, contractor? Um, did anyone have any specific questions for him? Okay,
2: all right, George. We appreciate it. Thank what you, do? guys. Oh, do we? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: I'm sorry. I I got here late, and I don't know what you what you're taking. The object of this this meeting is you're taking the excess property that the units that haven't been rented and doing what with them.
1: And so we're providing short-term accommodations for business travelers coming into the area okay. or destination travelers coming into the area for, for a specific reason. Um, and that could be for, you know, three or four months, six months. It could be for a couple of weeks. So it, it varies in time span depending on what their need is when they travel into town. But, I, I you know, that, that's the makeup of our, our, okay. our customer mix. What class of properties are you looking at? So primarily a and b we have operated in a c property and we we we, we only did that because the lo- the location and the proximity to uh the location and proximity to entertainment so so for example so uh, the dallas Cowboys stadium yeah oh. so we we're, we're in a neighborhood that's probably considered a c neighborhood and maybe a b minus property but Uh, The proximity to the stadium for Dallas Cowboys, the Texas Rangers, the Six Flags theme park, all of those things. We overspent probably on the interior, uh, but that that specific property, uh, even though it's not an A or B class property, uh, it pays out very, very well because it's for the destination traveler, for the traveler coming in to go to a game, to go to the theme park, to go to Six Flags, the water park. Whatever the case is. So it depends on the location, really. Uh, But when we get into multifamily apartment spaces, we're looking at primarily A and B class. If we do any single family duplex townhouse it's very location specific. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Did did that answer your question?
1: Thank you. Oh, no problem.
3: Awesome. Awesome. Well, we have a couple more questions. We have uh, Christopher Glennon. He's going to answer some questions for us. Uh, Let me one moment I pull up my questionnaire. Let's see where we at. Where we at? All right. So Christopher, what pros and cons have you experienced working with short-term accommodation companies in the past? And if you could, uh, maybe, you know, cite a couple examples.
4: Most definitely. So when you factor in the residential component, especially in multifamily dwellings, uh, you can tend to Impede upon the resident experience. Uh, when you have travelers that come in for shorter periods, it feels more transient than it does residential. And some of the communities, specifically high-rise, the higher end communities, high class A, that impedes upon their the quality of life. Luggage is coming in through the lobbies, coming up down the hallways. You know, a lot of times activities that are done in short-term accommodations are different than what is done in your home. And we try to mitigate that uh, through multiple ways. Uh, in some of the communities, whether it's a mixed use development, whether it is a garden style, whether it's a high rise, we may try to isolate that by floor and have specific areas to where guests enter and exit from and where the residents enter and exit from. So you don't have to cross pollination of spaces. Um, you know, there's different providers that have entered the space over the last five years or so. Some of them did not vet, as you mentioned, that demographic coming into that space. So it was very impactful and not always in a positive way uh, for the resident base. From an operator standpoint, we've had instances where the check-in, check-out procedure, maybe they didn't put the infrastructure into gate systems, access control systems. Uh, it, it not only impeded the residential community, but it also impeded the operator of the community. But And then the... the alternative accommodation operator where it just didn't give that proper arrival, departure experience, and the continuity of service. Uh, but there's there's ways, whether it be through pre-development planning, operational planning, it's, it's a true partnership, as you mentioned, to where we can make it successful all the way around.
3: Awesome, man. So when you ha- mentioned the operators, is there a lot of communication be- going between you and the operators and the owners, or how does that flow?
4: Initially, it was... Primarily based between the owners and then the provider. Wanted to make sure it made sense from an underwriting standpoint, from an asset uh, value add standpoint. But then there's there's the tangible value that you bring into the community. But then there's also the intangible value. So on the higher end assets that I'm primarily involved with, we looked at we looked at properties in my portfolio such as W Hotels or as uh, Ritz-Carltons where they're a they're a co-located environment where you may have condominiums. In hotels or you may have uh just condominiums that are on a vacation rental platform uh, we we try to we try to look at how that's going to, to benefit when we move over into a class a b or c community so if you look at the, the business model we have a few that we've operated with where they may have communities in florida they may have communities in dallas they may have communities in, in la And we've actually created a program where they can the residents can bring their guests into that space and receive a discount. So then it's become an intangible amenity. Instead of having guest suites that the multifamily who's not in the wheelhouse has to operate, now they allow it, they turn it over to the experts in that space to say, we can we can run that part of your operation. And then the residents say, okay, now now this is a value add for me. Personally, saying I could bring in my family member, maybe I've downsized from a three-bedroom home to a one-bedroom. Now that they're empty nesters, now they can have their family members come stay in your accommodations. So it's it's become a benefit there. And then we've said now your guests can also travel to the, your Florida property that you have down there at a slight discount. And then it becomes wow, now I have a travel benefit within my community. So it's it's if you're creative enough with it. Since you have created enough to enter into the market into it, it's it can be a real win for all operators, not only from a cash flow basis, a value add to the community, but also for the resident base.
3: That's wonderful. So, with, what would you say? Some unique amenities do you think would work for short-term occupants, two to, you know,
4: sixty-night stays? For sixty-night stays, you have a lot of um, a lot of that demographic. They're business travelers. We've seen a. Uh, a new product coming into the market on the west coast where they're building communities with co-working environments whether they're managed in-house or whether they bring in a we work or a spaces or those kind of things uh it's slowly trickling into this area especially in the frisco markets but adding you may be able to take a unit mix where a 2900 square foot three bedroom may not make sense for a 7 night 30 night 60 night stay for a business traveler but you may be able to turn those bedrooms into office co-working environments, maybe a banquet space if you only have one maybe in that building if you're trying to take over the occupancy. Um, and that could actually be a benefit to not only the resident base because they could rent that for incremental revenue for the operator, but then it gives you a space for your guests to work out of wow. being that their business travel. Sometimes you need that separation from your hotel, your accommodation space yeah. to be able to focus in on the work that you're trying to accomplish. So by, by allocating that, that could be a, a huge benefit.
1: I like that. I, I wanna I wanna dig into that a little bit more. <laughs> but before I do, uh, I want to go back to you. You have mentioned a couple of challenges. What would you say is one of the more prevalent challenges? I, I want to see if we can pick it apart and see if there's a, mm-hmm. you know, if, if that challenge can be can be overcome.
4: In the high-rise, high-class A service area, the arrival and departure experience, where you have a person come to the front, unload their bags. If you don't have a 24-hour valet service, a lot of them Uber in, especially in the business market, if they're staying for less than 60 days. So it's finding out where to park. It's finding out, and then the operator takes on more of the role of trying to guide them through. A lot of a lot of operators are technology-based and not necessarily hospitality-based. And they try to merge those pieces together. It's, you know it, it, it's like an accountant tell you how you need to operate service. Sometimes Got it. It doesn't
1: mix. So if I understand, correct, so, so that's a challenge with the check-in process. Mm-hmm. If the operator, and, and I would assume then that because these check-ins, uh, you know, these people coming into town, you know, they could originate from across the globe and they are coming in at different hours of the night, depending mm-hmm. on when flights arrive. If the operator had, in, in a class, say, high-rise, upscale type building, if the operator had staff on site, to help facilitate that check in process, then I would assume then that that would, you know, free up your staff and your doorman and your concierge to, to have to, you know, deal, deal with that guest and concentrate on the residents of the property.
4: Correct. There's many different models that I've seen put into play here. They've had systems where you have call boxes, butterfly MX systems. I've seen it in the, it works more successfully in a 24 hour operation where you have a desk member that can, can greet them. But there's also opportunities depending on how vertically you want to rise your market, where you could be in addition to staff during key check-in hours, kind of give you that arrival experience. But yeah, it, it does work very well in the high rise 24 hour staff front desk environment. And that, that's a big uh, benefit when you're able to put that into play, but not all ownership companies want to staff a desk on a operational basis just to have staff 24 seven. But you know, one of the other challenges that we've, we've seen, but technology has helped out with it, are, are noise complaints. Uh, not all your, your guests stay for 60 nights. Yours may, but other operators, uh, I don't want to name names, but we may know a few off the top of our head that may stay 2.5 nights. Uh, I've seen them put in uh, noise monitors that alert the desk when there's, there's a challenge in that area. Instead of being reactive to a resident complaint, they can be reactive in the moment to address the
1: challenge. Right. So that can be common depending on the location. You know, we've had to address instances that uh, could potentially lead to noise issues. I think uh, the best way to handle that, like you said, is to be proactive. And so, Uh, For us, because we do have the technology, we do have the noise monitors in the in the units, that sort of thing. But like you said, you know, those are are reactive devices that, you know, something has already escalated before you're notified. And so I think for us is also we also use technology to monitor, you know, the the number of guests that are uh, entering and exiting the property and, you know, checking that against, you know, who is a registered guest, who's a registered occupant. And, uh, and, if, and if they're on the list and we, you know, we're able to monitor that 24 seven. And so we are able to see if there's a pattern, you know, a pattern being established where a situation could escalate into a party, a noise problem, a thing like that. And I, and I think what, you, what you'll find, and this is, this is symptomatic in, in not only multifamily, but in the, the residential single family space, one of the number one complaints, and and, and I think it's given this space kind of a, a, a bad rap to a certain extent, but one of the number one complaints that people make are, you know, we, we don't want partiers in our neighborhood. And so I, I can understand that because, you know, where I live, I don't want partiers in the neighborhood. But at, at the same time, it's how, you, it's how you manage the process prior to arrival and during check-in and arrival that helps to minimize that. And so... Uh, we have, a you know, uh, we're, we're a technology company also, so we use quite a bit of technology uh, in, you know, in our, our guest pre-arrival process and, and vetting process. But one of the things that we do is we're real heavy in communication and we've implemented even pr- pre-arrival phone calls. And so we want the guests to know that we are we are very observant of what's going on. We're 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 very proactive. You know, we're you know, we. Have the ability to be on site in a moment's notice if, if we, you know if we're not there for a check-in, and so just setting the 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 tone for the stay, where yes we're professional, yes we're you we're going to service you to the nth degree, but we're we're also going to be very aware and in, and in, in what's going on uh, at the property that you're at, and so I think establishing that on the front end kind of helps set the the tone with the guests and for their stay, and uh, it, it's worked well for us. But you're right, I think that that we as operators need to do a better job of being less reactive and more proactive. And that looks different ways at different properties.
3: Most definitely. Next question for you. What advice would you give to multifamily property owners who are considering the STR
4: value add option? There's a lot to consider in this space. Uh, Like I mentioned, you have two different types of value. That's the tangible and the intangible. Uh, It really depends on what their strategy is for that asset. Is it a long-term hold? Is it a short-term hold? Uh, how are they doing uh, from a financial standpoint? Are they looking to refinance? Or are they looking to sell? So there's a lot that plays into just the initial evaluation, the due diligence that goes into it. Um, many times I see traditional ownership, uh, non, uh, non-institutional non that may be just adverse to it just because it's outside of their wheelhouse. Thinking what I tell a lot of those owners that I consult with is a lot of the communities have become fundamentally the same. They all have walls, they all have restrooms, they all have a, some sort of office and, and residential clubhouse experience, large or small, but it's how can you differentiate the product? You know, the high end is putting golf simulators and all these things, but you can only physically amenitize a building so much. What can you do to be a brand differentiator that can give you an amenity to your community? and immunity to your residents, but also improve your profitability just by thinking outside the box. And so by, by stepping outside that wheelhouse and allowing a professional that's in the hospitality and technology space to come in here and do this, it it opens yourself up to additional forms of, of income. It, it adds value to your to your community. Uh, and then you look at an operational standpoint. You talked about the direct value add, but look at your value that you're bringing into the community from, from operations, your flow through. Uh, you know what are your turn costs? What are your what's your loss to lease? Uh, what can you benefit not only on top of the the physical uh, lease and the market rent that you're having on that, but if you're reducing going in there and changing filters and light bulbs and depending on what you negotiate in the management of that space, you know I had a property that they signed a, a five year master deal on 45 units. It improved the operational profitability by 1.25 million. That's on top of the value add on your cap rate. So that, that's just thinking outside the box. And if you can compound that, if you have a portfolio of multiple properties, you're, you're looking at a substantial a substantial uh, benefit.
3: That's huge. So what about, what would be the, if you were advising someone not to go that route, what would you be looking for for that particular property? Um, if you're consulting for an owner that maybe has a couple of different companies that they're looking at, what, what would be the biggest thing you're
4: looking at? Uh, to advise not to go that route. So in that property specifically, we went through a, uh, I advise to do at least a three bid process. We actually brought in five different uh, companies to bid it. Um, varying in scope, scale, professionalism, location. Um, one of the biggest things that the owners took into consideration was how they vet that client. Where the online, the OTAs, the online travel agencies that they, that they promote and they, they list their, their communities to. Initially, when this rolled out uh, for some of the operators about five years ago, they were we found we found units on Craigslist, and that brings a very challenging situation into that community. Once they started, like you mentioned, vetting whether it be through a, a soft background check or whether it be through, you know, a relocation specialist that let's say a financial institution is bringing in and relocating their offices, then you're, you're securing that community. You know, in multifamily, you want to talk. You don't want to talk about security, but you want to protect your asset. You want to protect your operations from any exposure, from any risk. A lot of operators and owners are very risk adverse, so they're looking for ways to protect themselves. So they're going to look at not only that component of it, but they want to look at the financial stability. Some may ask for escrow accounts, depending on the classification of the building, what it's going to take. You know, if you're talking about three or four dollar per square foot rents, they want to make sure they're protecting the asset. Uh, we also have to look at what is the uh, operational flow from that, that area? Are there garden style communities that you can segregate off and just allow a different experience? Is it a multifamily? So it's it's really looking at, it's, it's a holistic approach to your operation. What is your strategy? What are your your pain points? What do you want to achieve by bringing this in? And, and, and then from the salesmanship here, you, you have a lot of those points that myself as a consultant and then acting on behalf of owners, I say to them, this, this is a viable option that will increase on multiple phases of your of your stabilization. And it really works well for um, new developments. Uh, there's a new phase coming into the market where they're intentionally laying out the the flow of the, of the building to have dedicated spaces to where you may have different mid-rise structures, high-rise structures. You may have townhouse areas. You may have just an area of the community that is all studios, but they're doing that intentionally with this in mind. So that, that's kind of where the future's going with a lot of developers I work with. They're intentionally designing their communities for this use case. So, I, I want to jump on real quick
3: and just say, first and foremost, thank you again, Chris. My thank you guys for uh, listening. Thanks for joining. Thanks for physically being here. Um, really, the biggest part of this podcast is uh, kind of outside the box. Obviously, we are having a live podcast event in front of a live audience. So, again, thank you guys very much for making it out. If you guys are listening to this, um, no matter where you guys are at, whatever platform, we would love to hear from you guys. Any questions that you may have, drop them in uh, in our comment section. Uh, depending on what platform you're on. But really, this is another way you guys can get started in real estate. I mean, literally, I I had this idea. I knew Noble, just kind of give you guys a little background about how we got partnered up. Me and Noble met at a, a, I think, multifamily event, a a multifamily, basically educational uh, weekend um, almost two years ago. Um, We just stayed in touch. We built relationships. I knew his business model um as I was focusing in learning and you know trying to go after my apartment portfolio and literally I, I was at a conference in Miami earlier this year and then the, the aha moment literally hit me and I texted Noble while I was at the event said hey when I get back we need to just get this thing rocking and rolling and that's when I had the aha moment to bring value to apartment owners to help other investors that want to get started in, in apartments or even just in real estate. And this is just another niche that we, we found would be very, very helpful for anybody. Doesn't matter, you know, if you have one unit, if you have zero units, if you have tens of thousands of units, because everyone can benefit from this. That's why we have Christopher here, we had George here. Um, so again, thank you guys for listening in. If you guys have any questions, I'm gonna pass it over back to Noble um, because again, this is our very first launch. If you had any uh, aha moments, I'm actually, believe it or not, still thinking about George's $15 bump that he was looking to make. Um, if you guys caught that, $15 was going to increase his, you know, portfolio of 1,200
4: to like two million dollars. That's crazy. And and real estate uh, on that topic as well. We did. I did that at a property in Houston. And we did it for 800 units and the residents had the option to upgrade their packages. So it ended up being a benefit for the cable and internet provider where you gave them a basic speed. They upgraded it. They provided the equipment. They did the infrastructure into the building and and it didn't cost us anything. We increased our, on the HOA side for that tower, our dues by, by two cents per square foot. And on the apartment side, we increased it by extra $25 a month. So it's the only one I know of in Texas that did it on that scale, but it's, they loved it on the internet side because they came in with that available to use. They didn't have to set it up. It's amazing.
1: I like it. Well, you know, like I said, again, thank you, Chris, uh, my for, pleasure for, for coming out. Thanks to George as well for, uh, for coming out and, uh, and speaking. And then, uh, also thank you to you folks for, for coming out and listening. Hope you, hopefully you, you learned something tonight that you didn't already know. But, uh, of course, Matt, myself, Chris, will We'll be around and available to to answer any questions. And like Matt said, regardless of what side of the fence you're on, if you're on the investor side, we're happy to talk about that. If you're on the operator side like myself, happy to discuss uh, uh, opportunities there as well. Or if you're just looking to get started in, in either one of those, um, happy to uh, talk to you about that. So, again, I think that's going to wrap it up for this first uh, first episode. So uh, Pretty crazy it, it How is. many of you
3: guys listen to podcasts already In the audience if I can get a show of hands Awesome, awesome, awesome um, How many of you guys Currently already invest in real estate how, Do you invest in real estate currently Cool, cool uh, Do any of you guys already do short term rentals Or apartments or houses Apartments, okay What about you so, No short term for you guys houses okay awesome well again noble if you want to close this out on the very first episode of uh the hospitality podcast for the multifamily community
0: thanks for listening to the show tune in next week to learn more about using real estate for hospitality cash flow if you received value from this episode please leave a rating and review This helps the show reach more listeners. We truly appreciate your support.